When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's up? Welcome in Wednesday, pre-Thanksgiving edition of GC Live. Hope y'all are doing well. I'm Wes. He's Chris. This show brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, 803-771-6933. Appreciate Clint, as always, being our presenting sponsor. It is very, very simple. If you're in the market to buy a home, call Clint. He can help walk you through the entire process. He can tell you what interest rates are. He can give you projections on what interest rates may do in the future and uh, simply come up with a plan for you, whether you are a first time home buyer or, uh, you know, you've done this many, many times. Either way, Clint's your guy and also a huge Gamecock fan who I imagine will be at Willie B this Saturday cheering on the Gamecocks in the cold. Maybe, Chris, it seems like uh, this one might be chilly from what I've seen early on. We'll, we'll get into the particulars of the game of course, on Friday. But right now, projected to be a pretty chilly day for the Gamecocks and the Tigers. And you know what, man? Let's, Chris, let's do something a little bit different. I see some podcasts do this. Let's go ahead and knock out a couple of these right off the bat and uh, tell you about one of our other great sponsors, and that is Trey Harrell. If you enjoy the show, you should hit up our sponsors for any of your needs. You heard about Clint. Let me tell you about Trey Harrell, auto accident attorney right here in the state of South Carolina. Gotten to know Trey. We actually ran into him early in the season in Charlotte West. Met him, met his daughter. I've met Trey before. Gotten to know him. Great guy and a very helpful guy. How can Trey help you? Well, of course, we hope that you never get injured in an auto accident, that nobody that you know, none of your loved ones ever get injured in an auto accident, but they do happen, Wes. And so uh, if you're in that situation, if you know somebody, have a loved one that's in that situation, you want to get somebody on your side who's experienced in these matters, who can help, who can fight for you, help fight to get what you deserve. So you need an attorney who helps. Remember, Trey Harrell helps. That's at Trey Helps on Instagram, Twitter, or on TikTok, or Attorney Harrell com. He's been voted voted the best personal injury attorney by the readers of the Post and Courier. Again, that's at Trey Helps, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, or attorneyherald.com. Appreciate Trey Harrell helping us bring you GC Live a couple times a week. Yeah, definitely appreciate Trey. Uh, South Carolina coordinators talking today about Clemson, of course, and looking back on the Gamecocks win over Kentucky. We got the trifecta, some Pete Limbo, of course, some Dow Loggins and Clayton White as we get Every single week. Um, I guess I should have had Pete Limbo talking about um, bands and rockers or whatever that I've never heard of on my bingo card, but um, I, I didn't. And yeah. we got some NATO mentions. We got we, we got everything involved. But uh, shout out to Pete Limbo. Always entertaining and just uh, never, never know what you're going to get. Dow Loggins, I, I thought Chris, again, had some good stuff. And... Usually on this show, we just sort of talk about what's said and we react to what's said. But Loggins on Rattler today, and uh, you, you'll hear here in a second, I, I've got the full clip. Some of the highest praise I think I've ever heard a coach dish out on one of his position players. And you can just tell the level of respect and, and really, frankly, the enjoyment that I think Dow Loggins has had coaching Spencer Rattler for this year. Loggins even mentioning how he perked up a little bit. He saw the clip from Spencer where he said, hey, you know, I do have another year. Um, so a uh, little tease there from seven. But uh, Loggins, he, he started this clip. So for those who haven't listened yet, and I, I would encourage you all to go listen to, to all the coordinators, but Loggins was basically asked about the idea of Spencer Rattler being the, the best quarterback in in program history. and some of you will remember Loggins actually coached Connor Shaw in the NFL. And so those two guys are very tight. And 
Loggins, you know, he's always told us, he's always said, I don't want to be the coach speak guy. And so rather than give us the coach speak, he actually, and that, that part's not in this clip. I, I had to cut it down some. He said, look, guys, like I, I, you could tell he really did not want to go there and compare Connor Shaw to Spencer Rattler in terms of the Gamecock pecking order. Too much respect for both guys, uh, which I respect him just saying, look, guys, like, don't really feel comfortable doing that. He mentioned that Connor had left a message for the quarterbacks this week, just basically, um, A, telling them how much he appreciated the way they've carried themselves in representing South Carolina this year and, um, you know, talking about how big the Carolina-Clemson game is coming up this week. So lots of respect in that entire sort of South Carolina QB fraternity there, you know, as far as Dow for Connor, Dow for Spencer, obviously. But it really got interesting. You'll see here in a second, Dow just talking about what Spencer Rattler has meant to the program, to him. And frankly, man, I know all coaches say positive things for the most part about their guys, especially their guys that do things the right way. But if I'm an NFL scout, if I'm a if I'm somebody who's thinking about drafting Spencer Rattler, um, I'm not saying I'm swayed by a sound clip on Twitter, but I'm I'm listening carefully to what Dow Loggins had to say today because it was just above and beyond. I think what you hear from a lot of people and very detailed. So without further ado, this is Dow Loggins talking about number seven, Spencer Rattler. To me, the way when I got here, you obviously hear stuff and you hear rumors and you hear, you know, what other people's opinions are. Um, this guy is extremely professional. Uh, he, he cares about his teammates deeply. He does the, he doesn't get tired of doing the right thing. He's on time. He's prepared. He's changed his body. Um, he worked. He had a really good offseason. He's become the leader of the team. Um, he prepares every day. Um, he could have griped a lot because he's been hit a lot this year. Not one time. Not, not even was he and I, not through text message, not through calls. And we're talking about game plans at night, and he's at the house with Yaz, and, and we're talking about football. Like not one time has he ever said anything about that. Um, he's focused on his job, and, and he's played a very high, high level. And I've I've been a part of some organizations that drafted first round quarterbacks, and he's as good as any of them. Um, he's a special guy. Um, I did, you know, it did get back to me that he stated that he had another year. Um, so, you know, I don't know what that looks like, but uh, the, um, I kind of I kind of perked up and smiled when he said that. But uh, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about how he's played, how he's carried himself, how he's prepared the right way. Um, just the, the sit in the pocket and make some of the throws he made. Even the touchdown pass that we talked about, Braz had a great block on, but, like, it's congested. And you got to throw a really accurate ball and it cover zero, and he did. And he's done that all year. And just the toughness that he's displayed, this guy sees the – he sees progressions. He gets through progressions um, really well. Like, I, I couldn't be more impressed with him as a player. Like, if you go back even the third and 15 – um, the one we hit to Leggett, we were struggling. We needed that. We needed to hit one play, and we we have two penalties in that touchdown drive that we have to overcome. And you just hurt yourself that way. But when you got him, like early in the game, like we're scoring points because he's move, he's he's making plays with his legs. So you talk about him that way, and then so the third back to the third and fifteen, um, he hits the big play to Leggett. Well, the third down before that, we ran the same play, and Leggett's wide open as well. And we take a sack. So. We get, we get on the sideline. He's like, hey, I'm going to take a – instead of taking a three, I'm going to take a five. I'm going to stretch my drop right there because I know where the ball's got to go. And I saw he was open. And we got a chance for an explosive play. So the next time we run, he, he stretches his drop. Um, and this is his – this is him. This is – he recognizes this. He goes, hey, I'm going to stretch my drop to – it's a three and a hitch. I'm going to go to five and a hitch. And I'm going to get the ball to look at. And so he called the same play the next time. He hits the big one, kind of got us going, overcame a penalty on that series. And it's just like his – how much he's grown um, football-wise, his knowledge in the classroom. And he's got a ton of experience now because he's played so much. But um, you don't learn and grow unless you're really locked in and you're paying attention. And you're watching Lenoris's reps or Luke Doty's reps or Tanner's or Colts and, like, just learning all the time, constantly talking in the, in the meeting and asking, like, really good questions to myself and Sean Ryan. And um, just, like, I can't say enough good things about him. I, I don't know that I could find anything bad to say about him right now outside of, like, I don't know we've done him enough justice um, – he deserves to have a better record than what he has. And, you know, that's 
He's that's the hard part for this year is like how do you have such good quarterback play? How do you not turn the ball over that position and not have a better record? And that's where I feel like we've let him down a little bit. Um, and you know I'm proud of him for sticking through that and fighting. And he's done everything he can to help this team be the best version of itself. All right, Chris. I've already talked a ton in the first ten minutes, so I'll let you react first. There's a uh, there's a ton to unpack. Um, in, in that three minutes from big picture to the tiny, some of the tiny details he shared about the Kentucky game, um, a good bit of which was actually new information to me. What, uh, what, what is your reaction to, to that clip? Yeah. So not surprised about the praise that Dow Loggins has showered on Spencer Rattler. He's, he's done it a lot this season, but it's typically been, specific anecdotes or some some shorter you know stories or or a shorter kind of clip that kind of condensed everything into one and that that was great and look we've got a lot of time even though it's Wednesday Wes and you and I won't be on here tomorrow uh we've got an hour to dissect the Clemson game we've got more on Friday we've got more time today to dissect the Clemson game and so in keeping with kind of something we were talking about on the GC Takeover Hour 107.5, I think it's it's uh, makes sense to begin the process of really appreciating what we've seen in Spencer Rattler and Gamecock fans having him because it is much more likely than not that it is his last game uh, in williams Bryce Stadium, the last time that Gamecock fans, you know, will see him play. And – I totally agree with Dowell that it is kind of a shame that the season has not gone um, how it's deserved, you know, for Spencer Rattler. He's been outstanding. Um, I was watching SEC Inside uh, last night, I think that came on, because Shane Beamer gave it a plug. So I recorded it. I checked it out. And you could even tell just Spencer Rattler's sideline interactions, you know, just the type of leader he's become where everything seems so genuine. They actually showed a really cool clip from behind the bench of Rattler going up to DJ Braswell after the go-ahead touchdown and, you know, praising him on the sidelines. And when Monterio Hardesty came over to dap Braswell up, Spencer's, like, telling Monterio, like, pointing to him, like, hey, th- this guy made a huge play there. And then, of course, in the post game. Spencer gave Braswell all the credit and said he won the game, you know, with that block. So it's really interesting, Wes, how I was thinking about this the other day. Like you said, a lot done packed, so a lot on my mind. Spencer Rattler, when he's at Oklahoma, you know, when when he was going through a tougher patch and got benched, people loved to talk about that. And they love to put out headlines about the Netflix series. And they love to put out Spencer's going in the portal or will he go in the portal? And Spencer got benched. And it's very interesting that when he gets to South Carolina, you don't see as much in the national frame as far as what he's done and what it's meant and the type of leader he's become. You know, he's getting some accolades for his play. But just nationally, like people are still stuck on Oklahoma Meanwhile, you got Caleb Williams, who's a great player. Southern Cal, they haven't had a great year. Caleb Williams isn't going to press conferences after tough losses. Spencer Rattler is. He's up there answering questions after every game, win or loss. He hasn't complained. He hasn't pouted. And so not only has he been a great player at South Carolina, but just um, I think the way that he's ended up adopting this program and the way that they've adopted him. You know, the Wake Forest head coach today was kind of poking fun at at Notre Dame a little bit because they put up a video saying that they love Sam Hartman, and he was one of theirs. And he said, you know, you just rented Sam Hartman for a little while. We developed him for five years. You know, there's no doubt Spencer Rattler's a Gamecock. He's not an Oklahoma Sooner. He started his career there. That's where he went. But this isn't a rental you know, for a couple years. This is a guy that is now a Gamecock through and through. So hopefully uh, everybody, you know, recognizes that and appreciates that, you know, no matter what happens on Saturday night. Yeah, man, I um, 
two two things just other than just the absolute praise, maybe three things. I, I keep thinking of more and more things he said. Um I, I do think I think what he said has a little bit more value and impact because Loggins, for the most part, has proved to us he tries to not um coach speak his way through a press conference. So um I, I tend to think the things he says about Spencer Rattler, if if he didn't agree with what he was saying, he would just not say it. You know, like uh not that he would ever go up there and just bash his guy, but um he just wouldn't say those things. He would give a more generic answer. So t- to me, there there were several things. One just being uh the, the thing about hey, I've been in the NFL, I've been involved in drafting first round quarterbacks, and this guy is, is just right up there with any of them, you know, as far as uh his ability and talent. And then the other one, uh, the the acknowledgement there of that that dig route to Leggett, which I think was quietly one of the biggest plays in the entire game that gets a little bit overshadowed by some of the other big plays. And they needed a spark. They needed something to get them going. And they once again were behind the chains, and they were behind the chains a bunch during that stretch where they were really struggling. And so um, the fact that in the moment, in the game, on the sideline, Rattler is is tweaking things the way a coach would. Like, I, I think there was also a misconception, and, and maybe some of this is, is development too, but there was certainly a misconception about Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma that, oh, he's playing in a one-read system, and, um, you know, this is not an NFL system, and he struggles with certain aspects of the game. And I, I think he's done nothing but put that entire idea to bed, basically, in, in his time at South Carolina. You watch him and the speed in which he goes through progressions now and the fact that, dude, when he has time and his feet are set, he he truly rarely misses. Um, you know, that that it is it is rare how consistent his accuracy is when he has time and is able to set his feet. And so, you know, I, I just think for coaches and coordinators who sometimes like to slyly point out their own success of things, it was telling that Loggins says, hey, th- this was his tweak to turn this in from a three-yard drop or a, a three-step drop into a five-step drop. Um, hey, maybe we've let him down a little bit. He deserves to have had more success um, as the starting quarterback in terms of record, um, you know, for what he has been as a player. So I uh, I think the, the appreciation, it just, uh, you know, he, he, as we talked about the day before Thanksgiving, the thankfulness that it seems like that Loggins has to have been able to coach Spencer Rattler, um, it, it was just incredibly apparent. And um, I, I thought that was a re- just a really cool clip, man, of uh, a large summary of what an NFL team will get, you know, when, when they draft Spencer Rattler. Yeah, he's going to have no shortage of praise for, you know, coaches, GMs that are asking about Spencer Rattler. Whew. They, uh, I think, I think, can't remember if it's Beamer or Loggins. I think it was Loggins said, hey, we can, him, Xavier Leggett, like, we can be honest about those guys and just say what we think, and, and they're going to get great, great feedback. And, you know, Dow Loggins also, ha- you, you hear college coaches say a lot, that guy's going to be a great pro player. And sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not. Hey, sometimes guys that have been in the pros are wrong and right, obviously. Um, but Dow Loggins has been in the league for, Heck, close to twenty years, and so he's he's coached against a lot of big time quarterbacks and players. He's coached, you know, some big time quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks. Like he, he's seen a lot in the NFL, and to have him say that Spencer's every bit as good as first round quarterback type guys, that's uh, that's definitely high praise, no doubt. Um, golly, there was there was one other thing in there, Chris, that I I felt like I wanted to mention. Um. Oh, the offensive line. The fact that Loggins went as far as saying, hey, he has never once, he has never once um, thrown the O-line under the bus or complained 
even in those private conversations. Like the, the fact he added that part in, I think was a little bit telling. And because, dude, can, I, I think we could all imagine a scenario where a quarterback um, does all the right things, says all the right things, both publicly and privately to his teammates. But then in the, you know, uh, is he endowed? Oh, hey, man, do you think they're going to be able to protect me on this one? Like, you know, I'm going to get hit on this. Like, it would be very easy to be like, golly, these guys keep getting me nailed. And so, you know, I, I thought that was kind of kind of telling as well, just about his, his leadership ability so far. Um, you know, the, the growth in his leadership ability, too, and the amount of time he's been in South Carolina. So, uh, to sum all that up, I would just say, guys, girls, fans out there, enjoy Saturday. I hope there's some room to throw, man. Like I hope there, I hope there's time to throw, because, um, you know, it'd be cool to watch seven light up one more secondary at Williams Bryce Stadium, because we've seen it so many times. It'll be a big challenge for sure, man. As we continue diving into it, I mean, this Clemson defense is quite good. Uh, Spencer Rattler has played a lot of good defenses when he's been at South Carolina certainly including this season, and uh, has put in some really good performances even in those instances. And so uh, they'll need a good one. They'll need a special one. And, man, you know, we were talking about this earlier, you know, definitely getting ahead of ourselves, but what a heck of a send-off that would be, you know, for Seven to be able to – if South Carolina wins, there's no doubt he's going to have a huge hand in it. You know, you're not going to have – poor quarterback play and, and beat Clemson. If if they're able to win on Saturday night, he'll have probably the biggest hand in, in doing that. But he's capable. And that's why, you know, you go in, again, the record isn't what you want it to be. Da- Dowell even said something that stood out, West. Just one more thing here. That, you know, you point out, typically when you have quarterback play that's been this good, your record is better, right? But – I think that's really – the fact that that's an outlier is a testament to just how good he's been. And, again, there's there's going to be a what-could-have-been element to this season. South Carolina could have been healthier at receiver on the O-line, better on the O-line, more of a run game. Yes, you can't – it's hard to even fathom what Rattler, you know, could have done. But as it's been, uh, he's been tremendous. And that's why, I mean, every game that they've gone into this season – you always just feel like that they've got a chance that they're in it uh, because of number seven. So, yeah, definitely enjoy it, and um, we'll we'll see what happens. And we obviously have a lot more to dive into about the Clemson game specifically. So, Dalligan's also talked about the Lenore Sellers package. For the most part, he, he said it's kind of what we thought. Hey, there's two. We got two scholarship running backs available. Needed a boost to the running game. Needed something to give teams a different look, give Kentucky a different look. And we know Sellers can do it. So it, it just kind of made sense. Also, I thought it was interesting. He talked about, um, hey, we we want when we have opportunities to get our quarterbacks, our young guys, some playing time. And so this was, I would say, really a pretty easy example of, um, you know, hey, he can help the team, but also – and it's not him going out there and obviously running the offense and being the guy and doing all the things you ask Spencer Rattler to do, all the things you will ask Lenore Sellers to do in the future. It's not the same, but it is getting you those reps in front of 80,000 people on TV against SEC opponents, getting a feel for what it's going to be like, um, actually getting some backfield time with DJ Braswell, a true freshman who you would imagine is going to share a backfield potentially with Sellers quite a bit in the future. So um, I, I think a lot of um, th- there are a lot of advantages to doing that. And Loggins, even Chris went as far as to say you, you are what your tape says you are. And I don't have this quote in front of me, so I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but Loggins essentially said, look, we've, we've not been a good running offense. He just said it. He said, let's call it what it is. We've not been good enough running the football. So we've become a pass-first offense. It is what it is. And um, you're going to have to try to find a way to get something out of the running game this week. You're not going to expect to get 200. Probably you're not going to expect to get 150. 
it's going to take you to have a long, just like broken play for the defense, like 80 yard run, I think, to even think about getting into, you know, around 130, 140, 150, something like that. If you have to grind it out without a big explosive run, I mean, dude, you you just don't want to get to where it's one of those games where you have nothing. Yeah. I, I feel like the goal in reality, you're never going to say this to your team, but your the goal is can you just get something out of the running game this week? And it sounds like that might once again involve some looks from the Lenora Sellers. Yeah, and so that's that's where I what I've been kind of thinking about, Wes. I was looking back at the game last year because I honestly I, I knew South Carolina didn't do much in the run game. It was one of those things where they they tried to mix it in some. They ended up with, and I think this is not sack adjusted, but they had about 55 yards. And sometimes that can be misleading. In this case, it's really not. That's that's kind of about what they earned. I think Jaheim Bell was the leading rusher. He had under 30 yards. He averaged under three yards a carry. Marshawn Lloyd did not play a lot in that game. I think their most successful rushing play West might have been a reverse to Jalen Brooks that reverse that they ran some with some success last season they had a nice run on that other than that not a lot they ran it enough to keep a defense somewhat honest other than that the success came from Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells and Nate Atkins making one-handed catches right and I think that's gonna it's really gonna be the same case this this year in terms of how you'll probably have to administer the offense. Now, there's some differences, right? This is a different offense than last year. You've got some personnel differences. I think for this game, Wes, most notably, those personnel differences are on the offensive line for South Carolina. You know, you don't have Javon Gwynn and Eric Douglas and Jalen Nichols. Right? You're missing a lot of those guys. And so then it goes more to can you protect Spencer Rattler in this game? Gamecocks can't expect to have 12 rushing yards and win this game, I don't think. I agree with you. They got to get something. I don't know what the number is. It doesn't have to be 150. But it might not even have to be 100, right? They won last year in a weird game with 55 total rushing yards. You'd like to see it higher than that. But I do think, yes, to your point, seeing sellers some, maybe expanding that package, Continuing to see Xavier Leggett in the backfield some, Josh Simon in the backfield some, um, putting some of that stuff on tape with Sellers and having them throw the football in the red zone. I, I think we're going to see some some of what we saw last week with probably some additions on top of that. Yeah, man, that, that game last year was such a weird game. <laughs> no you know, kidding. It's like you, uh, you, had, you had so many elements that – it's like how how do you even use it to bring it forward to this year? It's like, all right, you had so many bad things kind of go against South Carolina, pick six, interception in the end zone. But then you look at some other things you had go your way. You, you also had early on a chance for your own pick six that uh, was dropped. You had what? You had the, the fourth and one where you threw a bomb but then you didn't get points out of it. You, you know, you got drugged down at the one. Um, one of those touchdowns was on a fourth down um, in the red zone. So, yeah, a dart the said, wells. Yeah, as Travis says, you had the safety, but then you got a fumble off of the ensuing kick from the safety on the trick play. Um. Then you had the fumble at the end um, by our boy Antonio Williams. And and then above, after all that, you still had a third down where you needed to convert one more time, and you just flipped the ball out to Juice, and he just grinded his way um, to a first down. Even, even that play, if you go back, I've watched that play like 300 times. And it almost looks like if the ball were thrown to the right side of the formation, it would have been like an easy first down. But the, the play was designed to go to Juice. It goes to Juice. The ball almost gets tipped. Juice gets it and breaks like three or four tackles of 
all five stars trying to tackle him, and he was able to do it. So, yeah, absolutely wild game. And, look, that's the kind of game that South Carolina needed to win. And not to that extreme, Wes, but I think that's the type of game they're going to need to win this year. What do you think? Yeah, I I don't know, dude. Like, I think you look that – was, that was such a – I mean, it's an epic football game. Um, you had DJU really struggling. Just did not look confident throwing the football. You had – I thought Clemson got too cute. They should have just ran the football more. I felt Will like, Shipley had eight over eight yards of carry. See that that's bad. So I I don't know if you make the same mistake again. Although, hey, so you I will say this, Chris. You know how early on this year I had that take. I was like, I think South Carolina's a little bit better run on the run defense than we think they are. And then the middle of the year, I was like, <laughs> Man, that was an awful take. It's like, ooh, that was bad. Yeah. Yeah. But now, dude, if you go look at their yards per carry allowed on defense, so that kind of takes out the element of, oh, our team's running the ball less because they're throwing the ball down the field on you. Literally just yards per carry allowed this year. Last I checked, they've improved by like a full yard this season on run defense. So that's not nothing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think now Clemson's gonna have some success running the ball. I'm I'm I think you have to accept that. But you know, what does it look like beyond that? It is so hard to predict the game when you're relying on turnovers. But I think you look at obviously what Clemson has done, they've turned the football over at inopportune times. At some point, turnovers may be somewhat random, but with all this data. To an extent, is that not kind of what Clemson may be to an extent? That does, But that doesn't mean you're going to get those on Saturday. You know, if, if Clemson has no turnovers on Saturday, they're, they're probably winning this football game. Yep. I agree. You, you never want to just count on turnovers going into a game. And I, you know what, dude, I think there's an element to this too. You go into last year, you just hammered Tennessee. And you went into that game with the uh, I won't say it, but you know the the Cam Smith drop your you know what's defense. <laughs> it was the that was the drop your you know what's offense too. Oh yeah, and so you went into both of those games saying we are massive underdogs by Vegas. There's nothing to lose. You can throw the ball down the field on fourth and one in your own territory, and and. <laughs> And you know what? I respect that. I respect when teams are like, hey, the only way we're winning is if we just make this game insane. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. We're going to go yeah. for it on fourth down, and we don't give up. You know what? So, But this game, the line's seven. They're, they're somewhat – you know, they're not evenly matched teams, but is it some huge underdog of South – under – is it some huge upset if South Carolina beats Clemson in williams Bryce Stadium at the end of this year. Not really. Mm -mm. It's an upset, but it's not a huge upset. So I think when teams are in that spot, Chris, they're a little bit more – you're a little bit more like, ah, if I take this risk here, I'm also risking running myself out of this ball game. If you're a 20-point underdog, you don't care. You're like, I'll risk it just for the chance to win it, I think. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I, I think both teams are going to feel that way, right? Um, so what what are the mentalities from both of these programs? You know, Dabo Swinney made a joke about, you know, he's asked about special teams and say, yeah, we got, we got our fake punt ready for the first or second series, you know, and kind of joking about that. But, like, d does either team have something up their sleeve? Not a fake punt, but, you know, trick play. Like, what are the mentalities going to be on fourth and short situations? Um, that's kind of a game within the game, fascinating thing. And, you know, you knew going to Clemson last year, if you're South Carolina, you knew you had a super, super just razor thin margin for error. You still got a very small one this year because um, 
Clemson, you know, it, it, you might think Clemson's a better team, a good bit better team, a slightly better team. Heck, maybe you think South Carolina is the better team slightly or, or clearly. You know, I, I think you could argue maybe any of those things. I think these teams have a lot of similarities. Both of them have kind of played musical chairs. Both of them have been so much better at home than on the road. Both of them have, you know, the offense for South Carolina has done a lot better job taking care of the football than Clemson's offense has. But Clemson, when you look at their woes, it has been they're they're turning the ball over too much. If you look at South Carolina's woes, it's been when they're not taking the ball off the opponent as much. So a lot of give and take, a lot of, you know, I think similarities between these teams, and it all boils down to that's why we all think this game is going to be pretty close. I don't see anybody out there, even the most hardcore Clemson fan, does anybody think they're going to win 52 to three, you know, a, a 2016 through 18 era type score. I don't think so, you know. Um, and so, again, Dabo talked about the turnovers during the five game streak. Clemson lost the turnover battle like 15 to three during that stretch. Hard to win. Hard to win for Clemson in 2013 when they come into Williams Bryce and they turn the football over six times to South Carolina's none and somehow only lose by 14 points. So if you're South Carolina, you got to double down on really protecting the ball. But Wes, also, you're going to have to take some risk, right? You've, you've made your living on explosive plays, even against Kentucky. I promise I'll shut up in a minute. Things keep popping in my head. Think about Kentucky. We're like, there, there's not going to be many explosive plays probably in this game. But on South Carolina's second touchdown drive, the game-winning touchdown drive, they had a second and 24. They had a 17-yarder to Leggett and another 17-yarder for a touchdown. You know, you might not count that as an explosive play, but in that context, it kind of was. I have a hard time seeing South Carolina just lining up and putting together four or five 75-yard drives against Clemson you're going to need some explosive plays. And with that comes some risk. That means you're taking five-step drops, and we got to max protect the quarterback, and we got to throw it down the field. So fascinating, a lot of kind of game-within-the-game things uh, for this one. For sure. And so I, I was talking to Matt Connolly, by the way. He used to cover Clemson and now does some more broad things for, for on three. And he's going to join us, I believe, it's looking like, on Friday. And so – Matt was telling me kind of the differences in this year's team versus last year's team for Clemson. And, you know, he thinks this is an improved Clemson secondary. Now, I I do think if you're comparing last week, like Kentucky versus Clemson, it, it's very different just in how they're going to structure it. Kentucky, lots of zone and really just built on, hey, we're, we're not going to let you get over the top. And, you know, I, I think – the 17 yard the the dig route that was a first down that was a long conversion um you know the the second and long on that drive that's a long conversion so or not conversion but a successful play on some of those plays even the ball to Leggett for the touchdown they kind of got out of what they normally do a little bit and they go cover zero on that and, and bring the house and they place the man coverage I think so I think you're gonna see a Clemson defense that's going to tell you, hey, we're going to man up. We're going to come after Rattler. We're going to try to speed him up. And so against Kentucky, it was more, hey, the, the, the middle of the field, if we can protect this long enough on a third and long, the middle of the field may open up for us to run this sort of deep um, dagger route where you run A-B straight down the seam and then uh, Leggett comes across on the dig underneath it. Um, you can maybe throw an underneath the ball or two and get the ball to Leggett with a little bit of space. Um, but the hard part is when they're getting that initial pressure and when zero is just crushing you up front for Kentucky and they're in that zone and it doesn't like spread out very much, there's just nowhere to go with the football. And, and I think Clemson, it'll be, hey, if you're going to get explosives, at times you're going to have to throw the ball over their heads. Like you're going to have to get the ball down the field. And there will be some opportunities for that, but it doesn't sound like necessarily they – like last year you kind of said, look, 
I don't think they can cover South Carolina down the field. And we saw that with Juice Wells, certainly. They couldn't cover three very well. Um, 17 versus their secondary is the matchup. And even more so than this past week because this is a defense that I believe is going to truly man up and play. It's going to literally be Leggett versus their DBs and not Leggett versus their scheme, which is, I think, to an extent, some of what you saw last week. Yeah, a lot of hype, and I think deservedly so, Wes, on the Nate Wiggins versus Xavier Leggett matchup. I think Clemson's fan base, a lot of them fully convinced that Xavier Leggett will have no catches for no yards, and Carolina fans convinced that he's going to have 10 catches, 200 yards, three touchdowns, and maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle, right? But that's that's definitely going to be a fascinating matchup. Speaking of that, Wes, speaking of no catches, Xavier Leggett does not have a career catch against Clemson, which is, even though this has been an unprecedented breakout year for him, still kind of surprising, right? Because he's been in Columbia for four seasons. He's He's been on the roster. He's played. He started some games. No catches yet against the Tigers. I, I think probably pretty early uh, that's going to probably change, right? Yes. Maybe first play. First play, yeah. Yeah, certainly would like to get him involved early, I think, if you're South Carolina. Um, let's see. I, I feel like there's a lot we still need to get to. But first, um, let me tell everybody about our friend Andy. Andy Ludicky with uh, My Perfect Franchise, uh, myperfectfranchise.net. 404-973-9901. That's how you can contact Andy. Also, Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. And uh, so here's what Andy does. Andy is a franchise consultant. And uh, essentially, if you're ready to, maybe it's you want to just completely leave the corporate world and live the American dream. Maybe it's more about finding a side hustle to supplement your overall income. If you want to diversify, build some wealth and or leave a legacy, Andy is there to help you. He is a franchise consultant and franchise owner. And what he does, he helps people find franchises that fits their skill set, financial requirements, time to commit, as well as other things that may be unique to you. The, the great thing about it is, y'all, his services are 100% free. He's here to help you if you have any questions about business ownership. So essentially, you call Andy, you tell him a little bit about yourself, and then he's going to help you find a franchise that you can link up with and uh, begin the ownership dream today. Again, 404-973-9901. That's Andy Ludicky, and then Andy at my MyPerfectFranchise.net. Appreciate Andy being a sponsor for several shows throughout the OWN3 network, including ours here at Gamecock Central on GC Live. Um, by the way, hang tight. We may have a deal just for you guys. If you are not a Gamecock Central subscriber, this is not a deal that's public anywhere else. Um, it is going to be public for you guys who listen to our podcast and watch the podcast here on YouTube. So I'll share that here momentarily. But, Chris, some strong indications that Mitch Jeter and Kai Kroger will be back in Columbia next year. Yes. So, um it's fun. Nobody, nobody has said it like completely confirmed it that I'm aware of. And um, so, Limbo, I'm surprised it didn't get talked about more. Limbo, did he speak last week? Has it been two weeks in a row, or was this two weeks ago? Either way, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he mentioned Mitch Jeter and congratulated him on um, the graduate program, master's I don't know the details. not going to pretend I do. I don't remember. Basically congratulating him on his next step in his academic career at South Carolina. And you're going, well, wait a second. Does that mean he's definitely back next year? And then Kai Kroger, Mitch Jeter, neither one on the senior walk list. And then Pete Limbo was asked, and part of the question was, the statement, I'm assuming that the, if they're not on the senior list, that you're going to have Mitch Jeter and Kai Kroger back. Paraphrasing here, what would that mean to have them back? And Limbo never said, yes, they're back. Never explicitly said it. 
but he didn't correct it and then went on to talk about what it would mean to have them back and I believe put in the caveat, hey, the NFL could come calling between now and then. So I, I guess in today's age, we haven't seen a graphic put out by Kai Kroger and Mitch Jeter yet, which I think is the official um, designation in today's world. Are we in agreement on that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the equivalent of, a, you know, dating ourselves, the Facebook official for a, rela- for a dating relationship back in the day. Yeah, to, to be back officially, you have to have the graphic that says, Gamecock Nation, I'm coming back, and it has to yeah. be signed at the bottom. <laughs> Digital signature, absolutely. No, I mean, I think back to the conversations that we had with Mitch Jeter and with Hunter Rogers, actually, who's the forgotten man, because Limbo shouted him out today as well. And this was before the season, but it was a Garnet Trust Hour interview with, with Hunter and with Mitch, and they gave Wes, I thought, some – I don't want to – strong indications would be too strong. But they both are kind of like, you know, we all, Hunter, Mitch, Kai, we all have another year. And we like it here. They're all real close. And it was kind of said, like, we may come back, you know. And so you look at them, you go, okay, these guys are seniors. Uh, They'll probably move on. They're they're real good players. Maybe they have NFL futures. But – it it kind of was always left open, and it just it seems like now that we are at the end of the season, it seems like things are very much still tracking that way. Yeah, trend, trending that direction, it appears. Um, let's see, we got another question from Travis. They were we're kind of close to out of time. There's there's a lot to get to, but Travis also asking for Sean Lee, Jalen Nichols, um, you know, Chris, we're talking about Josh Simon on uh, the radio show earlier today. Several guys who are not on that list who could, you know, technically be walking. I I tell people this. It it doesn't necessarily mean anything. It doesn't mean, hey, if a guy's walking, Taka Hemingway is walking for senior night, doesn't mean he's not coming back. He could still be coming back. Likewise, you know, if Rashawn Lee is not on there, it doesn't mean he's necessarily – Coming back, Jalen Nichols obviously would be coming off of an injury. And, you know, and, and these guys are in different points of their life, I think. it's it, it almost has become impossible to even remember who is where in terms of eligibility. And so, like, Vershawn Lee, Vershawn's technically not even a senior at right. this point. Um, now, he's can be a senior in school. He's been there. Um you know, long enough, but he he's a redshirt junior. So, you know, he he may not even be thinking about leaving right now, or he may decide, hey, I, I do want to leave, and it may be down the road. So um, I, I don't want to read too much into any of the guys' decisions right now. Um, can it be a guide maybe a little bit that they're either on the list or not? M- maybe. But Chris, I think you've got so many factors these days. Um, and if you're an older guy, I mean, for any of them, but certainly for some of these older guys, NIL is going to be a factor. What does that look like? Um, what does your NFL stock look like? Um, how, how do you feel physically? It it is grueling to be a college football player for five, six. Sometimes seven years. Seven years, yeah. Yeah, Jordan Strong just finishing up year seven. He's walking. He is definitely done, Wes. So, yeah, I mean, a guide, I think you can say. But, I mean, heck, I remember instances in the past, Wes, and to include this year, I think, you've seen guys walk, and you kind of even then, you're like, well, they're probably coming back next season, kind of based on what you hear. But sometimes they do anyway um, for, for various reasons. So, hard to give that one a blanket answer. Um, you know, I, I, there's always interest in that list, but I think it's, it's a little bit in some instances, it's kind of like a depth chart and then it gets a little bit overanalyzed at times, you know, especially because, you know, a depth chart might not change from the previous week or it might come out on a Sunday night or a Monday and they haven't even had the Tuesday practice yet. And then mm-hmm. things can change up until game time. 
like th- this is loose. It, it can it can change a lot, and um, there's definitely going to be a lot of guys to track this off season as far as you know what they end up doing. Po- you know, possible transfers, possible NFL decisions, possible hey walk away from the game decisions. I mean, you you kind of have all of them here. Yeah, it, it was maybe reminded to me last year, Chris, how how much more grueling a college football career can be even than, you know, if you have a chance to go to the NFL, just they are much more – now they have more time. It's a job, obviously, to put into, um, like, practice and stuff. But for the most part, they are very, very smart about limiting hits in the NFL. And so – you actually get quite a bit more beat up in the college game than you do in the NFL game. So some guys, and and not that all these guys have, they all have NFL aspirations. Pretty much most of them do. It doesn't mean you're going to go get drafted, you know, for for all these guys we're talking about. But um, the short answer is don't read too much into it. The long answer is I think we got to do some individual digging on all these guys in terms of where their heads may be at, where they're leaning. And then even once we get the information, the scary part for people like us, because we want to be accurate, even when we get the information, it can always change. Yeah, it can. Um, Lots of moving parts, moving pieces, um, unforeseen things that can come up whether it's in draft stock or whether it's in – I mean, here's a good example, Wes, and I'm not saying this is going to happen this year, that it's even typical, but just popped in my head. Shane Beamer's told this one publicly about – I don't know if he named the player, but I think it's okay to say. I mean, he was obviously talking about Marshawn Lloyd, but I think he actually even named him publicly. Like, he was in Beamer's office right after the season. Everything was good, excited to come back next season, and about two days later – He's out the door. And so you kind of never know on some of these things. Yeah, you really don't. Um, all right, let's let's hit on a couple of other things here before we get out of here. Don't want to just talk about one side of the ball. Uh, let's see. I'm going through the summary of Clayton's stuff. I, I thought it was interesting, Clayton talking about Nick Eamon Worry and just how the uh, the plays we saw on on Saturday were sort of the the Nicky that they see pretty much every day in practice. I, I tell you what, man, I, I knew that Nick had the pick. Obviously, I knew he made some big tackles, Chris. It wasn't until I was able to go back and completely rewatch the game and really just dive into it. It wasn't until then that I realized just how active twenty one was. I mean, he was all over the place. He was playing with uh, the obvious athleticism, but he was playing with energy. Uh, The entire defense played with some energy, I thought. But um, Carolina needs that Nick Emanuori on defense because you start pairing him up, you know, with with a guy like Kilgore out there making plays. And and I know you you need the advantage of the opponent giving you that opportunity. You know, like you you need the quarterback to put the ball in a spot where Nick can go make the play and go get it. But you also have to be ready to make the play when, when it's there for you. And uh, Nick, I don't want to say that was his best game. Cause I can remember a few from last year where he just, it felt like he was collecting tackles on every play. Um, but I think you look at last year, man, when the ball was in the air and playing in space deeper down the field, um, that was the area of most needed improvement for him from last year to this year. So to see him go up, make a play on that ball, it was kind of funny. Clayton White said turnovers in the red zone count as two in his <laughs> book. And um, I think you can give Nick credit for for two on that one. He's one of those guys that because of how much he played last year as a true freshman and the role he played – I think you fight the temptation to forget that he's, you know, I, I totally botched how I said that, but you kind of forget basically that he's a sophomore, you know? I mean, it, it's easy to look at guys like Nicky say, ah, oh, he's been here, you know, five, four years, five years. He should be this. 
and again, it's about development and guys not being static. It, Nick's not the same player that he was last year. He's not the same player that he was in game one of this year. He didn't get to play much in game one. First play, he was out. But game game five, right? Like, he has gotten better. He's been moved around some. Seems to have gotten his feet under him, gotten more comfortable, and definitely playing with, I think, less more confidence. You just watched in the past few weeks. I feel like he's been more demonstrative on the field. Um, seems to be a little bit more confident and definitely flying around. And, you know, they, they've got a few guys on the defense that are flying around a little bit more right now. And um, have they played a juggernaut offense the past few weeks? No. Uh, but you can see some of the improvements there. And, and they'll need every bit of it this week because this Clemson team, even though they've not been great by any means on offense, Wes, they've seemed to hit their stride a little bit. And they've still got a bunch of guys that can hurt you, you know, starting at the quarterback position. Klubnik's been up and down, sure, uh, but he can run, which will bring a new element. Um, and he certainly is capable of making some big plays. And you got Shipley and Moffa, you got the tight end, Brenning Stool. You've got some capable receivers and an offensive line that seem to play better, too. So um, kind of getting ahead a little bit to Friday's preview, but they'll, they'll need to have a really good game defensively on Saturday. Yeah, sometimes uh, Cade runs even when he's not supposed to, as we saw at the uh, the end of the Miami game, I guess it was. But uh, the three three five, I do think, has brought some new elements to the table for this defense. They, uh, It's been pretty good for them. I'm with you. I still think a lot of football is about matchups. And, uh, you know, you can go back, hey, there were some really good offenses they played earlier in the year and then not quite as good the last few weeks. But it, you kind of have to try to, all right, what, what is true improvement? What is more about matchups? I think, man, rewatching the game again, Bam Martin-Scott just continues to jump off the page for me. Um, he's he's another guy, man. What is uh, – I'm do this on the fly. What is Bam officially listed as? Bam is listed as a redshirt junior. But should have a COVID year. So he can come back for sure. So yeah, it'll be again, not not is he on the walk list? No. He was uh, not I do on not there. I think he is. I don't think he was on there. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be uh hey, that's a big one because he's he's certainly come he's come along this year and if he does indeed come back, he could end up being, you know, next year's kind of breakout guy defensively, I think. Dude, he – I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Obviously, if they're in the three-three-five, a ton next year too, he's a starter. But, man, if, if he can build off of what he's doing right now, I'm not so sure he doesn't push – more for one of those starting spots in the the base four two five as well. Um, right. I just think he's got a little bit of extra twitch, um, and and so, and so does Jaron. Jaron may be the twitchiest one of them all, but it's just I think Jaron is still kind of where Bam was. Maybe if you rewind like a year or two, whereas Bam now is kind of the veteran guy that's that's had a chance to to come along and, and earn that trust. And, um, you know, it's just really done a fantastic job. But he he continues to flash. Let's see. that That's about it. Limbo, very – if you all want to go back and listen to him or watch the press conferences, you can obviously do it in full. But really cool note from Limbo about Derek Moore, who he said has assigned a coach to each player this year. And Limbo was talking about getting to know Mario Anderson all year and just sort of some of his – you know, some of his um, takes on life and his plans for life after football. Um, we learned in a Garnet Trust interview with Mario that he actually uh, cuts hair as a barber in his free time and is a barber for a lot of the players on the team. So that, that's really cool. Mario Anderson, though, to stay with our trend, that's another one. We'll see what happens there. You know, does he want to come back for another year? A guy who's only had one year at South Carolina, but as a running back has definitely played a lot of football. So. Does that maybe factor into his decision? And then finally, Limbo gave quite a bit of praise for Hunter Rogers and just the job he has done 
not only as a snapper, but getting down there and uh, and getting in on tackles, getting in on down and punts and, and all those things. So a little bit of an unsung hero, I think, for South Carolina the last couple of years. Limbo said he's got enough speed. They even sort of factor him in to their scheme when they're thinking about those gunners running down there and making plays. So I don't know, man. We're, we're about out of time, Chris. That, that might do it for today. What do you think? I think that does it. Hope everybody has a fantastic Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll be back, west, I guess, on Friday, right? Not I guess. We'll be back on Friday because there's a big game the next day. Pretty important. Hey, hey you know what else is important? You, you got great timing on this one. Our guy Larry with Liberty Tax, actually been talking to him the past few days. We're getting together the master plan for tax season coming up to ensure that my wife and I have absolutely no tax anxiety. I feel actually great about it. And team at Liberty Tax, Larry, his folks, they can do the exact same for you. Overcome your tax anxiety by giving them a call, 803-462-5576. Taxes can be, you know, irritating. They can be frustrating. You're being a confusing process. Need somebody who's a professional with a lot of experience to walk you through that, to help you get a plan together if you're an individual, if you're a family, if you're a business owner, if you're just a wage worker, whatever you are, they can do it for you, the team at Liberty Tax. Yeah, appreciate Larry. Appreciate that whole team. Hope they have a great Thanksgiving. And hope all of you have a great Thanksgiving as well. Um, No show tomorrow. I talked to Mike. He's not doing a show tomorrow either, obviously. Normally he has Thursdays. So no GC Live, no GC Takeover on Thursday. However. We can't take Friday off because it's South Carolina Clemson Eve. So we will have complete coverage like we always do. GC Takeover, 11 to noon, brought to you by Firehouse Subs on 107.5. And then we will have, of course, GC Live final preview edition, South Carolina versus Clemson, with a Clemson guest as well. Oh, man, you know what I forgot, Chris? I forgot two things. So... One, I promised these guys a deal if they want to sign up to Gamecock Central today if they're not already a subscriber. And two, I didn't even mention this off the top, but I put this in the little promo there in the little uh, summary on YouTube. Favorite Thanksgiving plate. So in the comments if you want to, and right here before we sign off, Chris Clark, what what is going on? Your thanks, like if you just could wave a, a wand and have your perfect Thanksgiving plate, what's going on this All thing? the elements, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, turkey and gravy. Um, we'll do and, and a mix of, of light, white and dark meat, turkey and gravy. You've got to have some good mac and cheese. I really don't need a roll because there's already so many carbs anyway, like the roll is just kind of getting in the way. Although, if if there's a good roll. A sister Schubert's or something. I'm, I might mop up the gravy with it or something, but I'm good otherwise. Um, I want some dressing also with gravy. And you know what, Wes? If I get those things, I'm honestly good. You know, you might say, where's the veggie? Thanksgiving is not the time to be healthy. I'll take some green beans, whatever. But, like, those are the not Pete Limbo, non-negotiables. Those have got <laughs> to be on the plate, right? Yes, yes. Non-negotiables. I love it. Uh, by the way, like I said, special offer right here. Guys, I don't. I know some people hate SCAR as South Carolina's designation. I didn't, I didn't pick this. Chris didn't pick this, so it is what it is. But go to GamecockCentral.com right now if you subscribe. This is a YouTube, this is a podcast-only code. We're not giving it out publicly. Code. SCAR1, S-C-A-R-1. Again, I did not pick it. S-C-A-R-1. You will get your first two months for $1. Uh, Gamecock Central, if you're not a subscriber already, we'll leave that up right there. S-C-A-R-1, $1 for your first two months. Um, Not a bad deal at all there, if you ask me. Chris, I'm I'm loading up my plate, man. Like, like. I'm my, my Thanksgiving plate becomes like a casserole. Like it's just kind of, it can mix, it can touch. It's, it's just kind of getting all thrown together. I've mentioned this before. My go-to 
You take some plain old white rice. Doesn't That doesn't get much love. I get it by itself. Very plain. You take the white rice. Then you throw the dressing. Not stuffing, dressing. Homemade dressing on top of that. Right? A lot of carbs already, man. Oh, yeah, we're carb loading. I'm sleepy. Yep. Dressing on top of that. Then you throw that gravy that has the, the boiled eggs and the little pieces of turkey and all that. Yep. You throw that on top of that. Then the part where people start saying I'm weird. Some people do. You got to throw a little bit of cranberry sauce. The the canned, just weird-looking, jello-y, you would never eat it any other on basically only on a sandwich or on turkey day are you eating this you throw a little bit of that on top of that i have a question it it balances it out so not the ring though you know a little cranberry ring you're talking about a little chunk like little yeah it's just like a almost like like yellowish yeah 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 it's it's not really that appetizing looking by itself and i'm sure it doesn't taste all that good by itself but it bounced the saltiness and then the sweetness of that. Great balance. So that's the that's the like. You can throw some turkey on there too if you want. Turkey itself, most of the time, kind of overrated in my opinion. But you can mix a little turkey in there. You can. Yeah. Do you mix eat this turkey. without turkey sometimes? Sometimes, dude. Turkey is. I am smoking a turkey this year. Yeah, I, smoked turkey or fried or deep fried turkey. Much better than traditional turkey, in my opinion. I agree. So then, wait, you don't agree? Well, I'm I'm worried that there's no meat on this, though. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a vegetarian. It's gonna be some turkey, dude. It's just not a ton of turkey. Then vegetarian, but not vegan. Definitely not vegan. Right, right. So around that, (laughs) give me some mac and cheese. Give me, give me a deviled egg. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot the deviled egg. Yep. Yep. Give me That's a deviled egg. Yep. And then um, my my mom actually does a really good broccoli casserole, and that would probably be the one veggie because it's loaded in cheese and butter and, like, <laughs> and, uh, and like, Ritz. Uh, it's, like, got Ritz crackers as the top crunchy yeah. part. Ooh. Man, it's good. Sounds uh, good. Travis asks, is my first turkey day married? It is. It is. Yep. Barely. Barely. Uh, one year. It'll be one year December 2nd. So, it is my first yeah. one. Uh, Haven't you sent out a picture of that Thanksgiving plate before? Yes. Yeah, yeah okay. I have. I thought so. Uh, let's get an updated one for this year. I'll get you one. And then I also want you to come up with a name for it. Right? <laughs> okay. So, you got, like, the friends, like, Ross had the moist maker sandwich. I <laughs> I want you to come up with a name for this this item on your plate. That, that's that's doable. homework. Yeah. It's doable. Um, and I, I'm with you, man. If there's a good roll, yeah, I'll grab it. I'll I'll eat one roll, <laughs> just one, but not. Yeah, take it or leave it. That's right. So, hey, I hope y'all have a great Thanksgiving for real. Uh, calories don't count on birthdays or Thanksgivings or vacations. So, you know, go crazy. And then, um, we'll, we'll see you back right here. (laughs) Cocky Joe, they're cracking me up. Um, we'll see you back right here Friday, South Carolina, Clemson, final preview, Gamecocks, Tigers. It's going to be fun. Again, y'all have a good one. Eat a lot. He's Chris. I'm Wes. We'll see you then.